This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to purchase this book. Tithing and Dominion by Edward A. Powell and Rusus John Rushdooney. Copyright 1979. Published by Ross House Books Incorporated. Chapter 2. The Foundation of Christian Reconstruction. In any advanced social order, social financing is a major public necessity in order to maintain a vast network of social institutions which require financing and support. Historically, there have been in the main two means of social financing. First, by state taxation and then state control, and a maintenance of the various social institutions which must be maintained, and second, by the law of the tithe, whereby the tithe, as God's tax, is used to maintain education, welfare, religious institutions, and a variety of social functions. Earlier, the tithe barn was a familiar aspect of the Western world. Religious foundations, lay and religious orders, ministered to a variety of needs, providing welfare, education, hospitals, orphanages, grants to the arts, and much more. Until World War II, gleaning was a familiar part of the American rural life in some areas. Organizations like Goodwill Industries had applied the gleaning principle to urban life. Education as a state function is a relatively modern concept. Through the Depression of 1907, welfare in the U.S. was taken care of by the churches, foundations, and various similar agencies. It was Pendergast in Kansas City who saw the political potentialities of welfare as an instrument of political power and instituted the first tax-supported welfare program. Other civil units saw the possibilities of political power and welfare and quickly followed suit. The law of the tithe was gradually eliminated in America over Washington's disagreement and gradually replaced by state taxes, in particular the previously unknown property tax. The revolutionary ferment from Europe was largely behind the desire for state action. After 1860, this revolutionary influence merged with still another influence, Darwin's doctrine of evolution. Social Darwinism led to the application of ruthless egoism, as against Christian faith, to the economic world and the robber barons emerged. In a congressional investigation during President Buchanan's term, members of Congress referred to Vanderbilt not as a capitalist. In fact, they denied him that title. He was a government manipulator, i.e. his wealth came from government contracts gained by manipulating politicians. But with social Darwinism, the new breed began to deny all social responsibility and formed a working alliance with the state in order to exploit the people and all natural resources. Since then, this socialistic alliance of big business with big government has added to itself big labor, big foundations, and statist education to make up our modern establishment with big churches as the chaplains of this new order. We are dealing with amoral power today, power which allies itself with power against the weak. As a result, socialism is the best means ever devised to give more power to the powerful and to make the rich richer. There are, incidentally, more millionaires in the Soviet Union today than in Russia under the Tsars, but the middle class is gone, and the workers are far poorer. Social Darwinism meant a denial of social responsibilities by the socialist industrialists. When the demand for these social functions became too great, the answer of Social Darwinism was to tax the middle classes and the poor to maintain education, welfare, and all things else. The middle classes are being now steadily expropriated of their possessions on the plea that the needs of the people require it. True, the needs of the people do require something, but the state of something is the destruction, first, of the middle classes to provide for the lower classes, second, the destruction of the lower classes to provide for the state, 
And third, civil war within the establishment as social cannibalism sets in. Socialism, moreover, because it is by nature a parasitic economy, is also imperialistic. It exercises an imperial confiscation towards its people, and it must also expand and get fresh territories in order to gain fresh resources. The Soviet Union has been, and must continue to be, a ruthlessly imperialistic power to survive. A parasite, when it destroys one host body, requires another to survive. The social functions of statism, of socialism, are thus aspects of its imperialism and parasitism. When the state assumes social functions, its purpose is statist. The state is more concerned with its survival than with the survival of some people or a class of people. The statist assumption of social functions removes responsibility from the people and promotes social isolation. The statist talks largely about loving mankind, but acts in actual contempt of man. He accuses the orthodox Christian of holding to a low view of man because the Christian believes man is a sinner, but Christians hold that man is a responsible sinner, not a conditioned reflex. It is the Christian who requires man to be responsible, whereas the statist makes the state responsible. The tithe has a major social function which needs restoring. It is futile to rail against statism if we have no alternative to the state assumption of social responsibilities. The Christian who tithes and sees that his tithe goes to godly causes is engaged in true social reconstruction. By his tithe money and his activity, he makes possible the development of Christian churches, schools, colleges, welfare agencies, and other necessary social functions. The negativists, who have merely campaigned against statism, have steadily lost ground since 1950. Those Christians who have concerned themselves with Christian reconstruction have since 1950 established a vast number of Christian schools as well as other agencies. Within 15 years, almost 30% of America's grade school children were no longer in the status schools. What we must do is, first, to tithe, and second, to allocate our tithe to godly agencies. Godly agencies mean far more than the church. The Old Testament tithe went to the priests and Levites. The priests and Levites had a variety of functions in Israel, religious in the sense of ministering in the sanctuary, and religious in the sense of providing godly education, music, welfare, and necessary godly assistance to civil authorities. The realm of the godly, of the Christian, is broader than the church. To limit Christ's realm to the church is not biblical. It is pietism, a surrender of Christ's kingship over the world. The purpose of the tithe must be to establish that kingship. This means stewardship. We are not our own. We belong to God, and all our possessions and wealth are a trust from Him. This trust means, first, a responsibility to care for our own, our families. We have a responsibility under God to care for our parents and for our children. The family is the world's greatest welfare agency and the most successful. What the federal government has done in welfare is small and trifling compared to what the families of America do daily, caring for their own, relieving family distresses, providing medical care and education for one another, and so on. No civil government could begin to finance what the families underwrite daily. The family's welfare program, for all its failures from time to time, is proportionately the world's most successful operation by an incomparable margin. Beyond a certain point, however, the family cannot care for its own without sin. If children are delinquent and reject authority, or if they grow up and depart from the faith, we cannot subsidize them in their sin without sharing in their guilt. They cannot be partakers or heirs of what is the Lord's inheritance, but within the circle of faith the family must care for its own. Second, as we go outside the family, the minimum requirement of God's law is the tithe, God's tax on man. 
The tithe can be used as we, under God, feel led to use it, provided always the receiving agencies are doing the Lord's work in their areas. We need to assess the need for Christian reconstruction and then conscientiously support those agencies which we believe best further it. A church, an organization dedicated to creationism, or the cause of Christian education, missions, Christian scholarship, and so on. In all this, we must be mindful that the cause is reconstruction. We have an obligation under God to bring all things into captivity to Christ, and under his dominion to establish Christian order. Too many Christians are engaged in fighting a local, small battle, if they are fighting at all. But we are in the midst of total war, and must be engaged with total dedication and a total plan. Without this perspective, we waste much of our time, activity, and money. There are many who say, how can I pay my taxes and still tithe? Incidentally, many who are rich and many who are poor are tithing and still paying their taxes. But you have no alternative. Are you going to wait for the state to lower its taxes? The state will never lower its taxes, nor will the people permit it to, as long as the necessary social functions are left in the hands of the state. We have higher taxes because most people demand them, and they demand the services the taxes provide. People only oppose higher taxes for themselves. They favor soaking the rich, soaking the unions, the railroads, the oil companies, the telephone company, anyone and everyone except themselves. The problem most legislators face is the unrelenting pressure for higher taxes from people who are demanding new services for themselves at public expense, and this always means taxes. We cannot wait for taxes to be lowered. We must begin now, not merely to tithe, but to begin Christian reconstruction with our tithe, to reestablish the necessary social functions as Christian action. We need to do this in delight and anticipation of a godly order. We also need to do it in fear of the consequences if we do not. Either we work to establish a godly order, or we go down into the hell of total statism. We need, moreover, to fear God. Most people are afraid of prison if they fail to pay their taxes, or of confiscation of property at the least. They need to fear God also for all their sins of commission and omission. The God of love has been preached so long that we have forgotten sovereignty and almighty God, whom we must fear as well as love. Shall we rob this God of his tithe? the tithe which is his ordinance for our own prosperity in terms of godly order, yet we rob him when we deny him the tithe. Malachi 3, 8-12 Let us therefore serve God in that true love which fears to offend his love, and let us work for Christian reconstruction in every sphere of our lives and our world.